Welcome to the Simply Authentic Podcast with Angie and Tanya, where we will enlighten you with our real estate knowledge, highlight entrepreneurship, and have conversations about your passions, goals, and your struggles. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Simply Authentic Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. We all have seasons of life, and in this episode, we'll explore these seasons. Some occur naturally, while others are forced upon us. We age, we grow out of things, and we grow into things. People leave us, disappoint us, love us, and inspire us, which can all lead to change. It's not if, but when change occurs and our response to change that can make us or break us. Pivot, reimagine, evolve, transition. So Angie, Mm -hmm. those are just a few words that describe pivot. Mm -hmm. So if you were to pick a word that describes pivot for you, so it could be a feeling, it could be an action, what would the word what comes to mind immediately i get a uh, a sick feeling in my stomach when i hear, hear the word pivot okay. it has a negative connotation to me so fear fear a little yeah. bit of fear okay. i much prefer the word evolve. evolve means something different to me agree because i feel like that's that's that to me means growth and mm-hmm. and understanding and and just moving through life Mm -hmm. more of the a change yeah um so i think that when you and i share our stories of a pivot in our lives today Mm -hmm. they're for different reasons yes they're completely different stories and something that we will share with the listeners that we define differently Mm -hmm. so my word when i was thinking about it today was survival Mm-hmm. because my story was about me just surviving 2020. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear why. But I think when sometimes a word can bring on different emotions for all of us, mm-hmm. and I think we need to recognize that, that we all define words mm-hmm. or events or whatever that might be, feelings differently. Right. It's no different than having a smell or a song right. and and it reminds you and takes you back of a different time. Yes. So yes, pivot can mean a lot of things to a lot of people and yeah. so what's it mean to you, Tanya? So when we talked about this word, I think it's a important word to you and I both in doing this podcast because it means that you're doing something different, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're making a turn. Mm-hmm. Um and so when we both talked about sharing a story, the one that is impressed upon me the most is from 2020. And it wasn't necessarily the pandemic, which you'll hear, but it was, I had big life events that happened that year. Mm-hmm. So the in April of 2020, so we, we are in the pandemic, yes. right? We, yeah. we know. My oldest daughter, Lakin, calls me and tells me she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's unmarried. She's in college. She's 21. And I won't go into what my response was, but it was not favorable. Mm -hmm. And and 
panic sets in, Certainly. you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Panic sets in and uh, stress and, and this wasn't my plan for her. And, you know, all the things that you think when you might hear those words. So that was the first thing. So we're in a pandemic. I'm starting to grasp that I'm going to have a grandbaby. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm too young to have a grandbaby at that time, mm-hmm. right? So it turns out you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so at least you don't look like a grandma. How's that? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So fast forward to August of 2020. I wake up one morning to my mom calling me early at 6 a.m. And I am an early riser, but she is typically not calling me at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Her words are garbled, and I know immediately she's had a stroke. And she says to me, Tanya, I don't feel right. I can't walk. And I I just, my response immediately was, Mom, it sounds like you've had a stroke. And she was confused, of course. So I throw my clothes on. I go down there. And at the time, she lived just down the street from me. So it took me a couple minutes to get down there. And I we get in the car and she's still able to walk at that point uh, affected her left side so that side had to be supported but she could walk I rush her up to Mercy and drive her up to the emergency room and I don't know if any of you listeners went to any mm-hmm. healthcare or hospital or anything like that and when we were in the thick of the pandemics and still trying to figure stuff out mm-hmm. I couldn't go in with her. So here's my mom who's having a stroke or has had a stroke, and I'm wheeling her up to the door and I have to leave her. Mm. So I can't, I, I immediately know I can't advocate for her. She was very confused on the way to the hospital. And so I, I just, you know, talk about that gut feeling. Oh. Yeah. I knew. I felt completely helpless and had no idea what was going to happen next. So for 24 hours, uh, you know, a few hours would go by, I'd call up there. A few hours would go by, I'd call up there. I knew they had done an MRI and the, the, the responses I would get were appropriate that, yeah, we're, we're test, we're running some tests. We're, you know, so on and so forth. I go to bed that night and still, you know, we're we're still waiting on the results to come back, and and the emergency rooms were packed, right? And and they couldn't, um, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't handle the load, yes, because yeah. of the sickness, right? So we're in a pandemic. Not only you can't go in and support your family member, but there's lots and lots of sick people. Mm-hmm. So I go to bed. And wake up the next morning around the same time, and I immediately call my mom. And she answered, and her voice is more garbled. So now we're 24 hours in further. And I said, Mom, what's happening? And she said, I've been laying in this bed all night, and I'm still laying here, and they've not told me anything. So I said, can you can you get your button and click for the nurse to come? Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, it's right here. So she, oh, and the other thing she said was, I can't feel my left side. Oh. So she 
clicks the button, and I said, now put me on speaker. So I wait a few minutes, and the nurse comes in, and I lost my mind. Uh, I am screaming no. and yelling and throwing all kinds of cuss words out. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't be there to advocate for her, and you all are not doing the job. She, you know, and I'm 24 hours later, I, br- I dropped her off yesterday at this time, and she, she, her voice is worse. She can't feel her left arm. Well, when I said that, she can't feel her left side, it was like immediately somebody thought this was serious. And granted, I wasn't there, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. know what happened in those 24 hours. I was not inside that hospital. But within minutes of me staying on the speaker, and I said, I'm not hanging up until I know you're doing something, mm-hmm. and I want to know what is wrong with her, and I want to I want to know what's happening. Right. Doctor comes in immediately and says, your mom has had a stroke, blah, blah, blah. We are, we are admitting her, and we will start the protocol of whatever that was. So she had spent the entire night not even in a hospital room. She was still no, in the emergency room. just on a room. stretcher. Wow. So Scary enough when you can be there and see it, exactly. but to not even be able to be there and oh my know gosh. exactly what's going on. It, exactly. And trying to see it from her eyes. You've got somebody who... It was very healthy. My mom was walking two miles a day up to this point and was, you know, living alone and and has always managed, you know, her entire life by herself. She's not married, so she took care of everything at her house herself and just very independent. Mm-hmm. And she's laying on this bed thinking, oh, I can't, you know, I'm confused and Now my left side doesn't work and I can't move my arm and I can't move my leg. And just, you can imagine, I can only imagine what she was feeling as desperate as, you know, as desperate as I felt for my situation, I can't imagine what she felt. Mm -hmm. So she was at the hospital for 72 hours. And of course, once she was admitted, then they let us come in and my brother and my sister who don't live here both you know quickly came into town when they heard the news and so we were all able to one at a time go up and see her and be with her now and at least comfort her and one of the side effects from her stroke was she couldn't stop crying Mm. and my mom's not a crier so that was very uncharacteristic for my mother and Mm. so everyone is starting to grasp this that this is a major health event and now and none of us have any idea what the future looks like so she was in mercy for about 72 hours and got transferred to mercy's rehab hospital so she was there for three weeks that was them starting to realize what the stroke what damage the stroke had done Mm -hmm. because after she she actually felt the stroke come on in hindsight she knew something was wrong with her the day before Mm. so when she woke up that morning at 6 a.m she knew the day before something was off Mm. and she never called to get a hold of me to say you know i'm I, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And had she, it would probably be a different picture than where she's at right. today. Right. However, we the rehab hospital, you could have one visitor a day, 
and that had to be the same visitor. So you couldn't tag team it. So I, you know, I'm busy, I'm mm -hmm. working. And so I can't go sit with my mom, you know, eight hours a day. Right. So we had to figure out, you know, who was going to go that day and Some who kind of was schedule. going to, yeah, mm -hmm. who was going to go be the person that day and to eat with her because she had to be fed. She couldn't feed herself yet. Mm -hmm. She had to learn that mm -hmm. in therapy. Um, it was just a lot uh, was had happened very, very quickly to yeah. a very healthy, healthy person. Right. So three weeks of that, and you heard about the pandemic and window visits. Mm -hmm. So my grand or my children, her grandchildren uh, could stand out at the window, but they couldn't come inside because you could only have that one visitor a day. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness for family and friends stepping in, which I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. But they, you know, those who love my mom and know her the best were stepping in to take those shifts. And and then if they couldn't come, they were outside the window, mm -hmm. you know, calling her and they could talk to her from outside the window. So there was someone there. There was the someone time. there. Yeah. So we want in a situation like this, any situation when you're family is in the hospital or has had some sort of an event mm -hmm. medically you want to be there you want to right. comfort them Absolutely. and so this th that made this 10 times harder mm -hmm. so she was there for three weeks had a really great experience there they got her back to where she could stand up and pivot on her own but they're and they they were of course were trying to walk her but you know, we're we're relearning how to walk and use our left side. Mm -hmm. So then she goes to another facility after those three weeks, and I am learning entirely too much about Medicare mm. and and healthcare over sixty five. And I I know entirely too much about it. However, I will say, until you experience something like this, you have no idea. You have mm, no idea yeah. how difficult it is to get answers, mm. to to have. And and one of the things that I continue to run into was I would be told one thing, and then make another call, and then call back, and then make another call, and then I'd be told something different. And honestly, that continued to go on through throughout the this entire experience where you you really thought, am I losing my mind or am I the only sane one here? And I keep hearing people tell me different stories and what her her uh, insurance company will provide and, and how many days here and how many days there. And there's rules to everything. And, and you can only be, you know, in a certain spot for so long. And then they, oh, you're timed out. Now you got to go to this place. Anyway, she goes to the second facility and they are on complete lockdown. She was there for 21 days. No family member or anyone ever entered the building. We only had window visits and phone visits. Mm. She was quarantined to her room because she was a new patient for the first 10 days. So she couldn't leave her room to even go to therapy for 10 days. Wow. So the, the progress that she had made in three weeks at, at Mercy Rehab completely went out the window mm -hmm. because she couldn't go down to the mm -hmm. facility to have rehab. Mm -hmm. They had to bring the bicycle to her. They had to bring everything to her room. And and no one could go in there to talk to them. And, and 
I won't mention the facility, but there was zero communication with mm. me. And I am her POA because mm-hmm. I'm the only one that lives here. And um, no no one communicated with me what was going on. And, and what can I see through a window? Nothing. I, I don't know what's happening. And I didn't know this literally until I went to pick her up. So she was there 21 days. And in the meantime, I'm... I have already started that pivot, right? So the shock of all of this and what what's going to happen to my mom and who's going to take care of her and where is she going to go because Medicare only pays for so much mm. and then you got to go home or you have to go to a nursing home. And I don't know, you know, if any of the listeners out there, if you, Angie, have ever had to make that decision, but I promise you it's not an easy one to make that you either send them to a nursing home and knowing what this, you know, what this experience has been like to this point, I knew she'd die there. I knew Mm -hmm. she would go there and sit in a chair, lay in her bed and die. Mm -hmm. Or I bring her home with me. So I am starting to get a room ready for her because there was no question. Of course, I was going to bring her home with me. But meanwhile, I'm now it's September and mid-September is when she came home with me. And does anybody want to move their mom back in after, you know, I was, what, 48 at the time? Yeah. No, you no. don't. But that was that was the only choice. So I am preparing my house to move her back in with me. Work is busy. 2020 mm-hmm. was a, a crazy real estate year. We had no idea that a pandemic would would then cause the real estate market to do what it did and kind yeah. of start, you know, the bubble that we've mm-hmm. experienced the last three years. Mm-hmm. But so I've got a child who's pregnant who has no idea what her future is. I and wondering if I'm going to have my mother in one room and a baby and my daughter in the other. (laughs) Legit. That was, you know, uh, I'm trying to drink my way through this, right? (laughs) Exactly. So I, and I have just hired Madden. I had hired Madden in July because I'd lost my assistant at work. So I've got somebody to train. Madden wasn't licensed yet, so she had no idea. So I've got, I'm busy at work. I'm moving my mom in. I have no idea what Lakin's doing and what's going to happen with her baby. And I've got to move my work home. I've got mm-hmm. to physically move my office home. Had to bring a big printer home because I can print like three pages and the ink runs out. Mm-hmm. So I had to have a le- I had to legit move my office home mm-hmm. because again I didn't know what that was going to look like. And I go to pick my mom up, and she stands up the the girls that brought her out so i can't even go in you know yeah i just show up with a car and i they bring her out and she can barely stand up and the fear and the the why i define my pivot as survival Mm -hmm. the fear that hit me when i helped her get in the car and had to lift her into my Mm. car i thought what have i gotten myself into Maybe I should have sent her maybe to a nursing home. Maybe, maybe I'm in over my head. Yeah. Maybe I cannot take care of my mom. And I am, for those who know me best, you know that I'm a fighter and I'm strong and I will find a way. Mm-hmm. And I, 
am resilient and a weak moment <laughs> can be yeah. had by the strongest oh, person. Absolutely. Yeah. So I put her in my car and we head home and I'm wondering how on earth am I going to take care of this woman? And my mom is smaller than me. So she is not a big woman. Mm -hmm. Had she been a big woman, there's, I, I would have already had to have said, no, I can't do it. But I thought I can do this. So move her in and, and, she lived with me for three months. And so not only have I had to move my office home and my work home, I'm trying to figure out when am I potentially going to go on appointments and keep mm -hmm. this business running. Mm -hmm. Madden can't help me yet. She has no clue what we're doing and she's not licensed. Mm -hmm. So without friends and family stepping up and, and her friends, she has a group of friends and then some family members of mine had already contacted me and said, what days can we come and sit with her so you can go to work? That's awesome. And I couldn't have done it without them at all. We had three therapies to set up every week. We could have three PTs, two OTs, and two speech. So there you've got seven or eight therapies happening a week. You got to schedule around all that. I'm trying to schedule working. When am I going to work in this? I've got to cook three meals a day. Mm -hmm. I've got a roommate yeah. who cannot cook for herself. Right. So I'm having to prepare meals. Mm -hmm. I had friends bringing dinners over and bringing meals. And Whitney, one of my besties, was there to help a lot mm -hmm. just to do stuff with my mom while I was trying to work for an hour or two at home. So talk about pivoting. The pandemic won't ever really mean anything to me as far as the the actual pandemic, the, the definition of the pandemic, right? as much as what happened with my mom and my daughter in that mm -hmm. year, because mm -hmm. I had to completely change course. And I'll mention that I had become an empty nester that year as well. So Lakin's already living out on her own. Madden graduated and had moved out. And I had a couple of months of being an empty nester and thought, oh, this is pretty fantastic. <laughs> I can do what I want when I want. And the universe said, we'll show her. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, my world was completely flipped upside down. Yeah. But you know what? After all of that, and, and my, I, I want to report on my mom today. So we're in 2023, and she's had three full years after mm -hmm. that, that she lives alone. She, her left arm never came back. Her left leg is has to wear a brace, but she can walk. She lives in a wheelchair most of the time because it's safe, because mm -hmm. if somebody is not there with her when she walks, it's very dangerous. She has two ladies come in a couple times each week to help take care of her and help prepare meals and take her to the grocery store. And so she lives a full life now it's just different it's a different yeah. full different. and yes and mm -hmm. my you know my life because i'm the child that lives here and had mm -hmm. to take care of everything i'm hoping that 
when she passes away, there's a huge lump sum of money that goes to me <laughs> instead of my siblings. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm okay that they hear that. <laughs> um, but seriously, I yeah, mean, they, yeah. they have no yeah. idea. They have yeah. no clue what I have been through. Yeah. And they come in on a weekend and they help with her for a couple of days and they get to go back to their lives. Yeah. So, you know, there was a little resentment there. Of, sure. I'm the only one sure. here to take care of this and I have to still help her a lot. I have to go take her to her doctor's appointments mm-hmm. and I just set up 16 physical therapy appointments for her yesterday and I have to take her to all of those. So mm-hmm. it's, don't ever get too comfortable. Right. Right. And, and that is what that year taught me. But mostly I learned a whole lot about myself. And when I found out Lakin was pregnant, I struggled with it so much that she and I didn't talk for two weeks. And we can laugh now about how I received that because it Mm -hmm. was terrible. It was ugly. And I wouldn't want to repeat that on here. But she'll probably smile to that. But I prayed a whole lot for God to give me some grace, give me a whole lot of grace and give mm-hmm. me a whole lot of patience. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I was praying for with Lakin ended up really being better suited for my mother yeah. because I had to have way more patience for that and way more grace for that. And just to be able to, you know, cry when I needed to cry mm-hmm. and laugh when I needed to laugh that mm-hmm. you you just, you can't script this into your life. Right. Yeah. So. We, we all have those defining moments, and that was definitely Absolutely. a defining moment for me. Yeah. There yeah. was just so much to take in and to navigate, and I had no idea what to do in some of them, but you just, you, you just dive in. You just get started. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. That's, yes. that's, you know, and there's so many lessons to be learned there, and I think that our listeners – First of all, a lot of us are dealing with aging parents, right? And we're yes. trying to navigate that. And just hearing you talk about Medicare and the, and the struggles you had with that, and those of us who aren't there yet, right. it, it is. And, and we could easily be there. We may think that we've got years to figure out how to, how to deal with that. Yeah. But you won't until you're face to face with it. Nope. You, you won't until, because we don't, we, we go about our lives and we don't yes. think about those things. And then until the unfortunate timing of whatever, it's, it's never going to be a comfortable time. It's never going to, nope. but magnified because it was during COVID yes. and, and just the fact that you couldn't be in her room and you couldn't take care of her and every person going into any type of healthcare, yeah. I, I believe this to my soul, needs an advocate in the room. Yeah. You are you cannot go into a situation in healthcare and be by yourself because obviously you're scared or or maybe you can't even comprehend what's being right. told to you. Yeah. So you've got to have someone else in the room to fight for you to be your advocate and all of those things combined and help ha- happening during 2020 just magnified the the impact of that. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Like I said, I, I feel like there's so many things. I feel like later conversations we can have is, is more in-depth about how to deal with aging parents and maybe some things Agreed. we should be talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, in our business, we talk about, um, we talk about 
the estate and the estate planning. Yes. We talk about things like that, yes. but we don't talk about the the other ramifications, healthcare and that kind of thing. And that's right. not something we're experts in. No, but we can certainly get somebody who is an expert to come and talk to us. Absolutely, and I think just touching on that for one minute. One of the we we don't know when we're going to have to pivot. So we don't know when these huge life, life events are going to happen. But many of the clients we work with at every age, and I know you'll agree with that, they've not thought about what happens when I die. Mm-hmm. And they've not prepared a will or a trust. Mm-hmm. And they they don't have anything lined up for their kids. And you know, in this situation with my mom, she had already been through all of that and mm-hmm. had had everything lined up so that I didn't then have oh, wow. to scramble to get a POA yeah. on her because, you know, what if we hadn't had that in mm-hmm. place? And mm-hmm. she, can't, she can't speak on her own behalf, at least make a good decision and doesn't have anybody already signed up to be that person in that event, right. you know, right. and also her medical directives mm-hmm. and so she had already had all that set up so That's, we deal with that with houses a lot and we're not really right. talking about healthcare or medical directive but but many many people have not thought about putting their house and their assets into a trust mm-hmm. or lining out how that looks so right. that is something that we definitely need to get into in a future episode right, right. so as we think about COVID, I mean, obviously, you had a, a dramatic year. Um, yes. We all had to do some pivoting during that 2020 year. And we all had to figure out different ways to do things from business to our families, um, starting to work from home. Uh, that year alone could take up a whole episode. But, Absolutely. You know, I think we just wanted to focus today uh, in terms of 2020 on the pivoting that we did. Obviously, like I said, yours was was dramatic and it had more to do with family. Mm-hmm. And, and the rest of us had to look at, if you were the leader of your organization, how are you going to continue to do business? Mm-hmm. There was a question, by the way, if, if realtors would be considered um, essential. Essential. Yeah. I hate that word, but that's what it was. Yeah. Um, we had to. We didn't know in the beginning if we would be right. able to do work and continue um, making a living. So I remember that uh, you know we shut down in March. We were shut down for maybe six weeks, and I can't tell you, my people were so mm-hmm. ready to come back to the office. Same. We are a social yeah. group, yeah. Um, generally speaking. Realtors yeah. are are social, and they wanted to get back into the office and do do work. And thankfully, we were considered essential, and we could continue. And as you alluded to, then the bubble began. We had no idea that right. we were going to be as busy as as dim as things looked in March right by the end of that year completely different completely and I think that anybody that really was in the real estate market in 2020 and up to this point they experienced a different kind of home selling Mm -hmm. and it 
changed a lot of home sellers of how they presented their house and you couldn't go into a lot of homes and show them houses no exactly visual only sight unseen Um, offers started all those things not that that you know is a new concept for us but it became the concept for us right and so there were so many things in covid in our business that change the way we practice we had new forms that you had to sign that you weren't going to hold somebody responsible if you went and looked at a house and maybe ended up with COVID the next day you wouldn't hold them responsible and just crazy stuff like that so we we I think we as a society and then you can further delineate that into realtors and bankers and all the other jobs in mm-hmm. this world all industries yes that we had to learn a different way and we and we learned a lot although there's not a lot of positive um reflections probably mm-hmm. that happened right. over covid right i think that i think at the end of it when we got to come out mm-hmm. and when we got to do business as usual mm-hmm. we were all grateful for business so as much. usual yes. right so it it if anything hopefully it made us more grateful i know there was a lot of loss and a lot of mm-hmm. really sick people mm-hmm. and i don't want to take away from from that at all but after right. we all who are still here picked back up and moved on into the next season of our business or life, we had we had a little more thankful in us, hopefully, mm-hmm. and and maybe we learned a new way to to you know to work and to love and to mm-hmm. be around one another and just cherishing those moments. I know it it taught a lot of that to me and my friends. Right. Of gosh, when you can't see somebody for months and months and months, you really re- appreciate the first time you get to go out to dinner, right? With them, just so. the simple things. So let's go into what your yeah. story of pivot would mean, and and what it was for you, Angie. Right. So I know they're two totally different stories, but such is the word. It it lends itself to that. Absolutely. I said in the beginning that some pivots are forced on you, and some are just a part of life. It's just an evolution of life. And the one one reason I wanted to talk about this particular story when it comes to pivot is. I'm, I have a lot of young women in my life, um, nieces, friends, kids, that, that kind of thing, and they're all wondering what they want to do with their life. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell them that you don't have to know. You're, you're not supposed to have it all figured out. Right. You so, can't. No, you can't. So I'm going to take you way back to when I was on the farm, and I was a big fish in a little pond. Okay. Um, I did everything in high school. I had it all figured out. You know, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and my life is going to be grand and my life is grand, but it's grand in <laughs> right. a different way. Yes. Um, so I had to, a couple of, couple of pivots happened between the time I was 17 and, and 22-ish, let's say, because I was, I was a very good softball player and okay. I thought that I would go somewhere and and play softball potentially. Okay. But there was some fear there. Was I good enough? Um right. you know, needing the validation that I was that I was good enough. And at the end of my junior year, I went and visited an aunt in Dallas. She was living just outside of Dallas. And there was a school there, the Fashion and Arts Institute 
Institute in Dallas. Okay. And I got a visit there. So we went to visit, and all of a sudden, things were going to go in a different direction. Right. I didn't care so much about softball anymore. I loved the school. I was headed to Dallas as soon as I graduated, and my aunt and uncle lived there, so I I didn't feel as uncomfortable about going to Dallas sure, because they yeah. were living there. Yep, um, there. My aunt, this this particular aunt, was somebody that I was very close to and grew up with, and and so I was looking forward to to that whole adventure. Sure, sounds fun to me. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was going to be. It was going to be really great. Yeah, but. Um, along about, oh, I guess it was maybe halfway through my senior year, my uncle got transferred to, okay. I think it was McAllen, Texas. He had to go all the way to the southern end okay. of, of Texas. And it kind of blew up my my train of thought sure. and what I was going to do, blew up my plans. Yeah. And at that point, it was already past softball season, so I couldn't try and get a softball scholarship again because I was past that. So I had missed that opportunity. What the heck was I going to do? Again, as I mentioned um, earlier in a different podcast, I needed to get the hell out of you know, small right. town, right. and go do something. <laughs> and I didn't want to go to MSU because all my friends went there. I, I, I've always had a sense of adventure. I want to meet new people and have new experiences. So yeah. I ended up at, at Central Missouri University. So those were a couple of pivots that just, um, they were beyond my control. I, they didn't force a change, but they made me change because Mostly because of fear, right? You know, I didn't sure. go to Dallas because I was fearful, and scared. I didn't, yeah. yeah. And I was eighteen, yeah. I, you know, and and I think eighteen-year-olds today are much more adventurous and more, much more Agree. willing to take an oppor- an op, um, take not miss an opportunity right. than I was at that time, right? And so, so I went to Central Missouri, and and I knew from the get-go since I'd already visited the Fashion and Art Institute. I had that was going to be my major. That was I was going to do right. business. You were sold so, on that, I, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to do that all through college, and I mentioned this in the first podcast when we were talking about our stories that I graduate, have my degree, I'm all ready to go, and then it hits me that in order to do this and and really fulfill my dream of what right. I wanted to do, I was going to have to move thousands of miles away, be by myself. And I I grew up in a big family, very close family. My siblings are my best friends. We we do a lot of things together. Um, It was like that growing up. And and my aunts and my uncle, we went to grandma's every Sunday for lunch. And, you know, that's the way things were. And I just, at that point in my life, wasn't used to doing things on my own, by myself. Um, I always had a tribe of people around me. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And for someone who kind of had always figured it out that that I had a certain direction I was going to go, now I found myself in a place of limbo and not knowing what I wanted to do next. And feeling a little bit like a failure because I couldn't figure it out. Right. I was doing a job at, um, you know, I was in retail, and th- I knew I didn't want to do that right. forever. Yeah. So I, you know, thought about a million different things because I have a lot of different likes, and I I know that I could be good at a lot of different things, but I just couldn't figure it out. And 
when your parents are telling you something at 22, mm-hmm. you're really not, you know, does dad you really know? We, and yeah, they, they have care. no idea what they're talking exactly. about. Exactly. What does he know? So I, you know, eventually I came to the decision, as I had mentioned earlier, that I was going to go get my real estate license. And and here's the thing. I approached that as a temporary fix. I'm going to get into real estate. I'm going to do it for two years or three tops. And then I'm going to, I'll have enough money saved up. Right. I'll be in a better, I'll be older, I'll be more mature. And then I'll go move to Dallas or New York or whatever. And that was 28 years ago. So did you, so that would have taken courage, right? Right. So yeah. it would have taken courage to have moved away. Yeah. And I'm going to assume, only because you've done real estate for as long as you have now, mm-hmm. that potentially you liked it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Was there ever a point two or three years in, because mm-hmm. you worked for 11 years before you Bought the brokerage, 12, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Was there ever a point that you thought, I like this, but I still want to do that? That That's still my dream. Or did that kind of get dispelled? I think it took a good five years for me to really settle in and say, this is what it's going to be. This is, I I liked real estate from the get-go. Sure. And... What I found in real estate was that it was quite different than what I had done before because in in retail, you have the same job. It doesn't matter where you go. I had worked for two or three different companies um, for short periods of time because I got bored so easily. Right. It yeah. would be I'd be there six months and I'd learn their system, but it was it was I was still doing the same type of right. thing. I just right. learned a different system. Right. Sure. Then I would get bored and I'd want to move on to the next and and so the great thing about real estate and what I eventually came to was, A, I'm good at this. Yeah. I love it. And maybe I love it because I'm good at it or vice versa. Yeah. But this is what I want to do with my life. This is my career. And I want to be the best damn realtor I can be. Yeah. And that's that's where I ended up after about, I think it took me about five years, though, because I still had that wanderlust. I still thought yeah. I wanted to do something sure. different. But again, the moral to that story is we may think that we're going down one road. Right. And again, it may not be forced. It may, but circumstances happen that make you take another path. And, you know, I, I didn't, we talked about courage, but I, you know, sometimes we just get so safe. We get so safe in what we're doing that we don't want to make a change. But the voice in the back of our right. mind yeah. keeps telling us that, and sometimes it, it just takes some time to listen to that inner voice right. and understand that, okay, this is this is what's right. meant to happen here, yeah. and this is good for me, and I'm going to stay the course. Yeah. And if it's not, then I'll do something else. Right. And don't you think that when you're in the thick of that, I, I can say this now at my age, at 22, we don't know. Right. But when you're you're you've made that choice, you've got your license, you're working it, you like it, Mm -hmm. you're seeing some success that the the dreams that you once had just look a little differently, right? Because now you're getting comfortable and you're having success. And I think that often when we've when we've pivoted and made a turn towards something different or we're trying something different in our lives kind of like this podcast mm-hmm. that you start to see a little bit of success 
and you are now seeing signs that you're on the right path. Right. Right. So the little right. nudge is kind of just a little like, okay, I I think this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. maybe then mm-hmm. you get a little more comfortable in your choice and you're proud of it. Right. You can wear it on your sleeve. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that the other thing that we have to remember is just because you're going down a road, I, I had said in an earlier podcast that I was being groomed to take over. Right. Sometimes the road that you are on and you think is is going to lead to something changes, um, it, and you right. have to be you have to be okay with that. Sometimes the answer is not you really think you've got it all figured out, and this is the road I'm going to take. But then other opportunities come up, right? And I think I would have still been if another opportunity had come up. Yeah, I hope that I would have had the. Um, the, the confidence to go in that different in that different um, space, right? So, as we're wrapping up here, I, I think that we we definitely want to say that that us doing this was sort of a an evolution, a pivot, if you will, because we were both doing our own things, right? And we decided to take a risk because it was something that we both wanted to do. We'd both right. thought about doing previously, yeah. and just hadn't done it individually. And then came together to do this, and it's yeah. a risk. But the one thing, one point I want to leave our our listeners with is that we've had great we've had great support from our um, from everyone around us from our for, from our individual tribes, um, the people that are in our industry, and we appreciate that. But even if we hadn't had it, it would have been okay. We're right. still going to do this because Absolutely. it's our vision, our dream, and. Don't let the naysayers knock you down or knock you off your path. Right. Continue to to dream your dream because you can't expect them to understand your dream because it's yours. Right. It's your vision. And you, you feel vulnerable. You and I both are very vulnerable right now because, of course, there's fear with change and with stepping out and doing something new. But we're confident enough that we have enough to say and and we want to hear what people in the community have to say as well other entrepreneurs and business owners and so i i think the pivot is it doesn't always have to be the stroke that happened and the the unplanned pregnancy and by the way i have two grandbabies now it's the best thing that's (laughs) ever happened to me (laughs) blake and rylan you get a little shout out so so often what looks like at the time the hardest thing and and the 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 thing that you never saw coming and the thing that you think is awful just in it's not planned can sometimes be the biggest blessing. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. We hope you tune in next time. We want to give a shout out to Gershman Mortgage Studios where we do our live podcast and we appreciate them and we will see you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Simply Authentic Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to listen to us on your favorite podcasting app.